It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. The return boat voice claims nobody ever bought a pair of pillows and cycled home with them on the handlebars. We're going to come together. We want our voices heard. We want that station manned. There's only so many hits and kicks you can take when you're in business, whether you're a hairdresser or a restaurant. Join the conversation. Call 0818 969696. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the opinion line with PJ Coogan. Coach 96. Morning, Friday, the last Friday before finishing up day. Finishing up day, of course, is next Friday, the 22nd, which means we have six more shows to go, including this one, between now and uh, Christmas quitting time. And we want in the next week to talk to as many Cork people overseas as we possibly can. So if you know of anybody who will be away for Christmas or if you're listening to us overseas and you will be away for Christmas, opinion at 96fm.ie is the number to call. We'll catch up with a few people all the way through next week. Last day of a fabulous week's fun we've had with our friends at the Everyman. The Panto is on at the moment. Beauty and the Beast runs until 14th of January, at least 14th of January. But we have a very festive prize for you all this week, and we've had some great stories and great crack and great laughter over the few mornings. So, on Friday, 29th December, we want to send two families of four people off to see the Panto at the Everyman. But before that, we will feed you, feed you up at Thompson's there on McCourton Street, just across the road. You won't have far to go. And today we want to know, this is the one, this could be great, crack. The worst Christmas present you ever got. And why was it the worst? We had the best yesterday. We had the very best yesterday, but tomorrow, today, the worst. What's the worst Christmas present you ever got? And why was it the worst? All right, 083 396 96 96 for your texts or WhatsApps on that one. The be- The worst Christmas present you've ever had. And why was it the worst? And we'll give some of the contenders out during the morning and we'll pick two people uh, around 5 to 12 and we'll send them off to the Everyman on the 29th of December to see Beauty and the Beast, four people, and we'll send them for food before that at Thompson's on McCourt Street. Now, yesterday I was chatting with Brendan Kilkenny. Brendan's uh, an entertainer, or at least he was, and he worked in an office one time with nearly 400 people and then he retired 
and he found that the most entertainment he had was playing around a pitch and put, walking around on his own, and Brendan suffered from loneliness after retiring for quite a number of months, nearly two and a half, nearly three years. He felt desperately lonely, and this is a guy who went through his life as the life and soul of the party. He was an entertainer, he was a DJ, he appeared on radio, and any time there was an event at work, he was the one asked to front it up. But then it all ended, and Brendan found himself very lonely, and now Brendan has made his his life work to help people to get over that loneliness problem like he has managed to get over his. We had a long chat, which you'll find in our podcast if you want to look for that. But one of the most important things he said was, a lot of it begins with you. The solution begins with you. There are many things you can do, but you've got to do them yourself. No one's going to do them for you. No one's going to come banging on your front door and say, come here, I hear you're lonely. Let's sort this out. No one's going to do that for you. And that's the first fact that you have to accept. Listening to us in, oh, one of the most beautiful places I've ever been in my life. Listening to us in Bilbao, Spain, was John. Morning, John. Good morning, PJ. Thanks for having me on the show. Delighted, delighted. And as I said, Bilbao, one of the most beautiful places I have ever seen. We'll talk more about that in a little while. But you were listening to Brendan and you identified with him. I did, because I've moved around quite a, quite a lot. I'm originally from Cork, but I'm gone from Cork now 37 years. So I've moved around a good bit. And it is, it does start with yourself. You're the only one that's going to be able to make friends. Um, you need to get yourself out there. Yeah. You originally so, had a pub, well, didn't you, in Torremolinas, did you? I did. I did for 15 years. So obviously knew a lot of people, but as far as close friends go, it's difficult to find uh, especially in a transient place like Torre Molinos. Um But I, I found that if you, every time I moved, I'd pick a cafe near me, I'd go there every day at the same time, and you meet the same people. Mm. And eventually people talk to you. When did the loneliness kick in, John? Was it while you were in Torre Molinos running a busy pub, or was it when you got out of that business and moved on? No, I would say it was when I left originally, because I left when I was, what, 20, moved to England, knew no one. Um, and had to start. Uh, I was in England about 14 years. Um, and again, very hard to make good friends in England, I'm afraid. Um, and then when I moved to Spain, again, I knew no one. So you had to, it, it gets lonely. You miss your family, uh, even though it was my choice to leave, I suppose. But uh, you, I, and I need a network of people around me, I find, for emotional support. Yeah, yeah. So, so you just have to get out there. Yeah, like were you sitting in your apartment sort of feeling very alone in the world at one point or other? At, at quite a lot of points because I, I also suffer badly from bipolar. So okay. it's, you know, it's a killing situation where you can't leave the apartment. But eventually once things are good, you get out there. And that's why I need the, the emotional support around me. Because you have good and bad times. Mm-hmm. Now the first step is the hardest step to take and it's very easy yeah. for me who thankfully in my life I've never suffered from loneliness but right. it's very easy for me to say well the first step is yours to make and Brendan has made that step and can look at it now and say the first step is yours to make but bring me back to the point where you're trying to make it take us into that moment Well if, you're, if you, you go out you probably feel a bit stupid because you're thinking, well, you know, no one knows me here. I'm sitting down. I'm 
I'm, I'm sitting on my own. Um, but again, if you if you take a book with you, so that you're never alone if you have a book, I find. And people will talk to you about the book you're reading. Uh, if they see you reading it or just past the time of day. I mean, when I walk down the street here, I say hello to everyone. And beginning, people don't say hello back, but then they do. Uh, eventually, it's like wearing them down. <laughs> but people, people are genuinely friendly and interested in other people. Mm-hmm. I suppose in Cork we call it being nosy, but it's just an interest in life with people. Mm-hmm. So people will talk to you. So get out, find a cafe. I'll go there same time every day. If eventually people talk to you, another one is if you're able to have a dog, you're known within a week if you walk a dog around because people talk to people with dogs. Uh, they'll probably know the name of your dog before they know your name, but you just chat, chat to people about yeah. anything. Yeah, it doesn't there's, really matter. There's a thing about the dog, you know. Uh, I was yeah. in West Cork there during the summer. We'd stopped yeah. off in this place for a spot of lunch, uh, and there was a, an old man. Uh, he was probably in his seventies, I'd say, by estimating, as he's sitting there with a sandwich and a cup of tea, and this scraggy, raggy little dog, <laughs> right, with one paw up on his knee, and every so often he'd take a piece of sandwich and just give it to the dog. Do you know? You and and I said I, I to him, mean, I looked, and it was a, like a little, a little ragamuffin of a thing now, but he had beautiful <laughs> eyes, you know. And I said to him, man, I said, God, I said, that's your best friend there. And he looked at me and he goes, yep. only one I have left. Well, unfortunately, it's true. But again, you started talking to him. Yes. It, it opened the conversation, which was, you know, if you were there again and he was there, you talked to him again. Yes. And probably more in depth. So, um, and also when you're talking to people, a lot of people, when they talk, they're very guarded about themselves. I think if someone's um, telling you about them, then you should return the favour and tell them about yourself. Yes. Yes. And not be guarded about it. Um, No one's trying to do anything nasty to you. Let's put it that way. Yes. I think when you're lonely as well, John, you'll agree or disagree with me Mm. here. there's There's a temptation to distrust the world. And that just digs yes. you deeper into it. It does, because if, if you see somebody who's sitting on their own, I automatically will talk to people, unless they're not, uh, don't have a smile or anything. I mean, you will engage with somebody who smiles at you, whereas somebody who frowns at you, you're not going to engage, because yeah. you don't want the negativity around you. Yeah. yeah. yeah so, it, it, as I said, as he said uh, yesterday, it's basically the first step, it's the hardest step, and you may feel a bit foolish doing it, but once you've it done, it just becomes easy after that. There's a, there's a nice twist in it as well where you say the same time and the same place. Yes, because then it's usually the same people go at the same time every day. People have a routine, so you're going to see the same faces and they're going to see you. So eventually someone will say hello, and as you're saying hello to them, and you'll end up passing the time of day, a couple of days later, someone might say, sit down there or whatever, and you can start a conversation. Now, that's where you started in Bilbao. Now, I think you're having friends over for dinner. That's a complete turnaround on Christmas Day. Uh, we're having them. <laughs> We've been invited to about three or four uh, Christmas dinners. Uh, here, of course, it's not Christmas Day, it's Christmas Eve. Yes. Is, uh, is when they all have their party. Uh, so it's now to pick which one <laughs> to make right. Isn't that better. fantastic? 
exactly because my partner doesn't really socialize a lot uh, whereas I do um, so it, it just makes life so much easier uh, getting out and about meeting people talking to people I love finding out about different cultures yes. and the way they work and etc now of course you need to learn the language if you're living in any country mm-hmm. to make life easier mm. so it's a necessity how is your Spanish um, it's good. Uh, I, we live about 10 minutes outside Bilbao and there's nobody here speaks English. We're in a village. Uh, I learned it on the street, yeah. but I'm, I'm well understood. Uh, and that's all, that's all I want. Do you I know, B- 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 I mentioned to you that Bilbao is one of the most gorgeous places I've ever seen. But before mm-hmm. we talk a little bit about that, there's a thing about the Spanish, and I've never been able to understand it. And I love, I, I love them. I go on holidays there every single year. Have you ever noticed this right. way? They have an amazing way of talking to each other. Someone will be standing at the front of a shop, and is yep. talking, not looking at the person they're talking to, but the person knows yep. exactly what they're saying. They have this way. It's almost like they can <laughs> communicate mentally. It's like a homing in, homing in on one other. Uh, and then, of course, and loudly. Yes. Uh, which is great fun. I mean, the minute you walk into a Spanish cafe, there isn't any background music, maybe, but the noise level is horrendous. <laughs> and that's just everyone having a chat. He who speaks loudest gets heard. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? Ain't that the truth? So, <laughs> how long are you in Bilbao now? Um, we're here three years. I'm full-time here probably a year now. I did move up here a couple of years ago, but I didn't like it. Nice. Uh, I didn't like the living uh, conditions we were in, etc. And then I came back and I thought, I'm going to make a go of this. And it worked out brilliant. Fantastic. So, just over a year now, I think. What's yeah, life? What's, you're about 10 minutes outside. What's life like? Uh, lovely. Uh, I, luckily, I retired about four years ago. So my day would consist, I'm an early riser, so mm-hmm. up in the morning, do a few chores, then it's out definitely for coffee before half nine, ten o'clock, and then it's probably meeting somebody in the afternoon mm. for a chat or maybe a glass of wine uh, at one twenty a glass, not bad. Oh, don't start, uh, don't start. <laughs> it's, it's about 8.50 a pop now here, you know that, don't you? I know, I know, because I do go over and back down the good bit to, uh, to my parents. They're still in Cork. Uh, they used to come to us for many, many years, for about three or four months of the year. Really? But yeah. now they're not traveling anymore. So yeah. uh, I, I, go, I go the other way. But, and then every day, I, people said when I retired, especially after having a pub, that I'd never fit in, you know, I'd be lonely and lost and everything. There isn't enough hours in the day. That's fantastic. Isn't. Yeah, I just, it's best for Um And my partner works a lot, so which means that's why I... I head out and have my coffee. It doesn't have to be surrounded by alcohol. Um, you just people here, coffee, lunch, a little mm-hmm. tape here and there. Mm-hmm. It's just a very nice way of life. Siesta culture is is there, isn't it? Yes, yeah. It's just we we do we have a siesta maybe here an hour in the afternoons, mm-hmm. um, and everything shuts up obviously for from about you can't do anything from about two till about five. Mm-hmm. Um, shops, etc. But I don't know how much longer the siesta culture will last. Um, That's it's a bit like doing a, a, a split shift because people used to live near where they work, yes. whereas now they don't. Yeah. So if you've got three hours in the afternoon, you're just hanging around waiting to go back to work if you're maybe an hour away from work. Yes, so uh, something will change, I'd say. They yeah. have talked about it here, but uh, as of yet, 
nothing has happened, but I can see it on the cards eventually. Yeah. Uh, which will be a pity because most it is a much later life here because people, by the time they get home from work at 8 in the evening, they get ready, they have something to eat. It's 10 o'clock before they go out. Yes. Uh, 10, 11. And then bars are open later, obviously. Yeah. Uh, so, and there doesn't seem to be the quick drinking culture here. Mm. Everyone just relaxes, has their drinks, and heads home. I've seen um, them going for ice cream at 11 o'clock at night. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The prams are out. Everyone's out. Yeah. Um, because you remember, that's, you finished work only a couple of hours earlier. Yes. So, you're, you know, that's your seven o'clock, if you like, to, right. to us in Ireland. It's nice. It's nice. Well, you won't be home for the Christmas, will you, John? I won't. It has been many years since I have been because um, uh, himself will be working. So he's a nurse, so working okay. all the hours God sends. So I stay here for Christmas. I have a brother in America, in Boston, and he goes for Christmas for a few weeks. And then I head back in early January for about three weeks. Anybody uh, you want to say hello to, so who you won't be here for next weekend? Well, I suppose uh, Betty and Sean, my mum and dad. Okay. <laughs> uh, I have a sister, Liz, living in the Shannon. My brother in Boston, I'd say, will listen to this eventually, Martin. And a friend of mine who uh, is was here last weekend with me, Deirdre Kremen, uh, just to let her know, uh, we had a ball, and uh, she's missed by everyone in the village. <laughs> As typical Cork style, we spoke to the world. And my last friend is Sarah. I've kept a couple of good friends in Ireland, uh, and I'm, I'm delighted and wish them all the best. Fantastic. Come here, depress me. What's the weather like today? Well, now you it's okay today. It, it was drizzling, and it's 15 degrees, so it's not good. 15 uh, I'll take. John, John, hang on a while now. <laughs> 15 I'll take. I'm looking out. I'm looking out at just skank, right? It's horrible. <laughs> Dirty and manky, and it's trying to rain, and it's struggling to make double figures. So I'll take 15. Well, it's been, we've had about three days of this, and I'm considering going down south for a few days to <laughs> get a bit of sunshine. <laughs> You're very acclimatised at this stage. John, have a oh, yeah. wonderful... Feliz Navidad, as they say in the... Igualmente. And have a fabulous Christmas, and to all... And keep the show going. Love listening to us. And delighted that you do. That's John in, in Bilbao, just outside Bilbao in Spain, was listening to us yesterday about Feliz Navidad... Uh, John, uh, listening to us yesterday about loneliness, and and the message is very clear. You've got to make the first step yourself, and it's very hard. And look at the things he said. Go to the same cafe, the same time every day if you can. Bring a book. Sit on your own with a book. Somebody will ask you about the book. If you have a dog, bring the little dog. Somebody will ask you about the dog. Somebody will talk to the dog before they'll talk to you. That's just how we are. As people. And when you meet people, take an interest in them. My, my missus has this thing that she does, and she's brilliant at it. She's absolute. She knows everybody. She could be a politician's wife. My missus knows everybody. And how she does it, and I've never been able to do it myself. So she'll be sitting in someone's company for three quarters of an hour that she's never met before. And before she leaves that table, she knows everything about them. Because she just shuts up and let them talk about themselves. And she says, people love to talk about themselves. So just sit there. And then you made a friend at the end of it. But, yeah, like that. But the first step is yours to make. We then had this, and this was upsetting, and we're going to come to it after the break. This came in yesterday. 
Um, and we were trying to stress with Brendan Kilkenny that loneliness can hit at any age. Um, you can be 17 or 77. Hi PJ, I know that the elderly struggle with loneliness, but I'm 28. I'm a mum of three. One of my kids has additional needs. I've lost so many friends because of difficulty with my child's needs. I never thought I'd be so lonely at such a young age. I went from being in college and living my best life to being the loneliest I've ever been. That was from yesterday. Now, there is a service that can help. There are many other ways that we can help that person. Quid you was one, and friendly call is another. We've given away thousands of euro. On the Corks 96 FM 10K toy giveaway. That was the most highest pitched scream I've ever heard. Oh my god, they're weak. Congratulations, you brought some people to Oh, I took off my back. Thanks so much, Izzy. You know Christmas. I love Christmas. Merry Christmas. We've just given away 10K. With your local credit union helping you have a wonderful Christmas. Stay listening for the next big way to win. Only on Cork's 96FM. So, friendly call. We, we've talked to them before, and they've been around for quite some time now, but they had a get-together uh, in the last week or so for over a 100 of their clients. Jackie Fitzgibbon is coordinator. Jackie, good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. This is going on a while now. When was friendly call set up? Well, friendly call was set up back in 2010 uh, up here in Grona where we're still based. PJ. So we're, we're embedded in the community up here in Churchfield. And the idea is what? So I suppose our core activity there is ringing older people, by and large, who are isolated and lonely in their home and trying to, I suppose, offer friendship and connection and maybe try and reconnect some of them that are able uh, with services or activities in their community. Uh, we have some people who are younger, but, but the largest cohort of our people would be over 65. Mm-hmm. A lot of people got very lonely during and after COVID. COVID. COVID was a lonely time for us all, and it made you very busy. Oh, absolutely. The the numbers doubled over COVID, uh, essentially. So that, that was huge for Friendly Call. Uh, and there was a big scramble, obviously, to, to cover those calls so that people uh, would, would have some kind of connection throughout the COVID period, which, of course, was particularly isolating for older people who were asked to cocoon, um, you know. So, I mean, yeah, our, our figures jumped and they didn't really go down uh, afterwards. They stayed the same. Who makes the calls and what do you talk about? Um, so, gosh, uh, we have uh, we have a raft of dedicated volunteers uh, who make a, the con- a considerable amount of the calls for us. We have some people on a community employment scheme and two scheme who help us out in the office as well here and help cover calls too um, for when our volunteers aren't available or they're away. Um, and what we talk about, gosh, I suppose because we're Irish and we're from Cork, we don't have anything to talk about without <laughs> problems finding things to talk about, uh, PJ. Um, I mean, I suppose uh, the volunteers would get to, would have a, a set group of people, so they'd often get to know these people over many years and have a very deep relationship mm-hmm. with them, uh, you know. But we talk about everything, what's on the news, the weather, what's coming up, 
you know, Christmas with people, uh, appointments they may have. You know, we might be the only person someone talks to that day. Yeah. Uh, so they may be talking about how they're feeling or if they were going out that day or if they were going to see anyone. Um, so, you know, it, 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 some of it's just chit-chat and some of it then goes a lot deeper. And would it be the same person calling me every day, say, at the same time? So y- so, so, so that depends. Yeah, yes, at the same time. So we have people when when we first get on to people or they first come on our books, they choose whether they wanted a morning call, an earlyish call in the morning, a late call in the morning or afternoon. Uh, so we try and keep to that, obviously. And um, once you're allocated your volunteer, then you would have that person all the time. Uh, you know, um, if if it comes back here to the office and we're covering calls, which sometimes happens when volunteers are away or when someone's new on the books, you might have a different person. Some people love that. Some people prefer having a couple of different people ringing them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they and even then, it's the same two or three people maybe, uh, you know, and some people then like having their one person that they get used to. So we're all different, I suppose, like that, you know. I imagine... If you're talking to someone on a regular basis, you can pick up on things like distress. Could it be the first alert that someone is distressed? Often, yeah. Often, PJ, to be honest with you. And often people will come to us and say, you know, tell us that they're having a problem about something because, I suppose for one thing, because it's just someone to talk to, but also that we might be able to offer some assistance or guidance or put them in connection with someone else uh, in the community uh, or in the health service who might be able to help them. Um, But yeah, we'd know our people very well. Obviously, we're a small little charity up here uh, in the north side and we know nearly everyone, you know, certainly by name, but also by personality. So if you got on to someone and they were off form, you'd know straight away. If you tried to ring someone that didn't answer, you'd know whether it was like them or not, whether they were out, you know, ha- having a walk more than likely, sure. uh, or whether they were the type of person who always answered, and it was very strange that they didn't. Mm-hmm. That, uh, in, that might flag yeah. something. Yeah. Oh, it certainly would. I mean, if that happens now, a volunteer would usually ring me and say, look, I was trying to ring Charlie or Mary there, and they always answer. If they don't answer, they always ring me back, uh, and I haven't spoken to them. Um, so when someone comes on, on on friendly call here, we we normally try and get a contact of a neighbour or a family member that we call in in such an event, and we give them a quick call then and say, look, we couldn't get on to Mary today. Is everything okay? Is she in the hospital? Could you have a look in her and check? So I regularly do that. Mostly, luckily, PJ, they've just gone out down to get sure. their pension course, or something like that, you know. But it, it's 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 a security as well, you know, Absolutely. and people appreciate that. Yeah. Um, and it's all free. There's no charge for any of this. Oh, yeah, no charge. It's completely free, yeah. You had a meet-up. Tell me about that. We did. On Wednesday, we were inside in the Metropole Hotel. So this was our first... Uh, Christmas event since before COVID. I think it was 2019 uh, when the last one was, so it would have been four years. Um, so we did a big Christmas dinner and uh, gosh, I mean, I, I, I was wondering if we'd get 100 people. We ended up being inundated with people wanting to come uh, amongst our volunteers and our clients. I think there was just a huge appetite at this stage for people to get back out in the world. Uh, earlier in the year, people were still worried um, because the hospital's been full and, sure. and, and stuff like that. Whereas I think now people are feeling a bit more relaxed and also 
they're just really missing the company. Yeah. Um, so we had a fabulous time. The Metropole threw on a beautiful uh, dinner. The Lord Mayor came and sang a few songs for us. All our volunteers came and uh, again, some of them would have not met their clients because they would have come on to Friendly Call during COVID. So they would never have met them face to face. So that's always really special, PJ, when someone uh, comes up and goes, is, is Michael here? And you go, that's him over there. Uh-huh. And uh, it's like old friends meeting at an airport or something. It's that's, that, really that's heartwarming. Lovely. That's lovely. Really heartwarming. Jackie, I, so know, that lovely. It, I, I know it is mostly... Uh, older people that that you work with but maybe you could address uh, yourself if you would to this rather distressed young mum who got in touch with us yesterday she feels terribly isolated Um, friends have left her life because of this problem she has with her young lad with additional needs it takes over your world when you have a child like that any advice you'd offer to her Absolutely. I mean, we have some people like that on on our books. We have some younger people and even some older people who have children with special needs like that. And it can be very isolating Um, because, again, it's just hard to get out and get into your community and and do things, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, when you've got a commitment like that. I mean... Obviously, here in Friendly Call, we try to to reach people like that as as well for a chat. And I think, I mean, certainly up here where we are in Churchfield, there's an awful lot of groups uh, and activities and support groups in the community. I'd urge that woman to see if there was anything in her own community um, that she could connect into. Sometimes they can be hard to find, uh, PJ, because they don't have big websites or anything like that. You know, you have to try and... But I'd urge her maybe to uh, approach one of her local community organisations and see, you know, there may be a group of other like-minded parents where at least she'd get a bit of company and have a coffee and could Mm. bring her child, um, you know, or somewhere where she could have an outlet for herself if she did have anyone to mind the children for a couple of hours and she could get out and do a course, a social course, a knitting course, anything mm-hmm. uh, to get her out and just to get her a little bit of human contact. It's so important for people, you know. Would you identify with what John said in Bilbao and what Brendan said yesterday, that the first step is yours to make? Oh, gosh. I mean, I suppose ultimately it is, unfortunately, in society, because if no one else knows that you have this problem, then then they mightn't reach out to you, you know. Um, now, that can be very hard for people when they're fe- feeling isolated. Sure. Uh, you know, social inclusion, you know, people can turn in on themselves. So it becomes more and more difficult than maybe to, to go out and look for something. Um, so I suppose, look, it, it is the person will need to make a step themselves. But I I guess I'd urge all of us to look around us as well and say, you know, is there someone in our community that looks a bit lonely, that looks a bit lost? Could you just say hello to them at the bus stop? Could you, you know, drop in and ask them if they wanted to come for a coffee? Could you just reach out a small bit over the Christmas period and look, if if they don't want it, then that's fine. You've only asked. There's never any harm in doing that. And we all can do that, uh, BJ, you know. And I wish people are good at it, I think, you know. But we just need to start again. COVID kind of, I suppose, again, pushed us all away from from doing too much like that. Uh, And I think we just need to get back to it, you know. All right. Okay. We'll leave it there for today, Jackie. Thank you very much. Jackie Fitzgibbon, coordinator of Friendly Call. And you will find them. Start the ball rolling if you want to bring a friendly call into your life. 21 4302 310 021 4302 
310. That's a friendly call, Cork. 0818-969696. Yesterday, Maureen was on uh, complaining about the lack of a crib in her local church, or rather, the fact that the crib itself wasn't there, but there was a nativity scene on the altar with Jesus and Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus and all this kind of thing. The statuettes were there on the altar, but there was no structure, no straw, no no donkey, no nothing. And Maureen was saying, look, that's not a crib. A nativity scene is not a crib. It's amazing people that were agreeing with her. PJ, I agree with Maureen. There should be a crib, not just the statues of Mary, Joseph and the baby Jesus. The story of that night is in the Gospels. The crib tells the story. The joyful angels, the shepherds, the new parents, the holy infant, the humble dwelling, the animals, the manger, the straw, the nighttime, and the star. The story we read when we were growing up in the Bible. It's a sermon in itself and a beautiful story. Three statues just don't cut it. See? Bit of support there. Wayne Hilton. Wayne Hilton. The Weekend. On Cork's 96FM. Join me Saturday mornings from 10. I've got four hours of the best music mix. Check out the Cork Weekend survey. Have a go at the Wayne teaser question. There's the latest celebrity goss. A look at what's happening around town. And we'll keep you up to date with all your essential Cork news. Wayne Hilton. Saturdays, 10 a.m. With Newmarket Motors for the Volkswagen ID Buzz. Fully electric, fully connected, and full of new ideas. NewmarketVolkswagen.ie. On Cork's 96FM. The musicians of Cork are busy people in the run-up to Christmas. Good morning and well done to Dylan Brickley and Corey Power. We've talked to them both before their Christmas song, which is called Last Christmas, but not to be confused with the Pam song. That's number one on the iTunes chart this morning. Well done, lads. Congratulations to you. And Miles Gaffney is storming up as well with his Christmas song called Bring Me Home, which is gorgeous. It's about a little boy called Kevin who's seven and lives in room 111. Biles, it's, it's a beauty. It's a beauty. Tell me the story of it. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you keeping? Um, so I was asked a, a few years ago, could I write a Christmas song? Mm. And um, I said, I suppose I could. Um, so, you know, the Home Alone is big with the kids. Yeah. And they were watching Home Alone. And I was saying, you know what? Now I could write a song about a child called Kevin. And how a person missed his family at Christmas, and then it kind of opened up my whole mind to the whole immigration. Um, back in the last recession, guys went to America and Canada, Australia, and so forth. So then I was kind of leaning to that kind of storyline. Yeah, I had a bit of a verse, a bit of a chorus going on, and it just stalled. I just seemed I couldn't get into the flow of, of, of it, and um, so I shelved it, and mm. I had it inside and uh, inside my folder for the last few years, and. Um, uh, I say back in April, I'd say, um, didn't I come across a YouTube clip of Mary Lou MacDonald reading out a letter that was sent to her by a child called Kevin? This was in the Doyle, was it? Yeah, 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 in the Doyle chamber. Yeah, and um, basically he was he was saying, look, could you could you bring me home for Christmas rather than anything else? That we're living in a hotel, and um, so then I looked into it more, and I found a paper article and. They were eating their cornflakes and their breakfast on the floor because they had no adequate, you know, table and chairs and yeah. so on. So um, I just said, right, this is it. This is my angle. And I went for it. And that was the outcome. 
I, I just use my imagination, really. Well, and, well you've come you up with a, with, with a fine song, and it's a song that I've been listening to on repeat for the last few days. There's a, a nice video with it as well on, on YouTube. Yeah, you know, you know, you know, no, Peter, when we were making that video, right? It was done by 24-hour films, right? And the great crew. And we, we, we had a hotel room. We were in that room all day. And... Um, like we we were really getting on each other's nerves. Like I mean, we were all up on top of each other, and we had bought some snacks and stuff for the kids. I mean, there was bags and 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 stuff in the room, and then the kids were fighting and messing, and you know yourself. Mm-hmm. And people like we we come come five o'clock when the when the shoot was over, we couldn't wait to get out of that room. Point being, imagine what it's like living there all day, yeah. all night, all year. Everyone up on top of one another, and. Um, there was, you know, we we made a few cups of tea, but that's all you could do, you know. And there was nothing on the telly to entertain the children. Just was nothing. It was a couple of channels, you know. And, they were, and there was nothing to do. They couldn't play. They couldn't. And we we actually spoke about. We said, imagine having to live in this environment every day. Mm-hmm. And like, would you? That's that. Would you? That that's my own son in the video. I see. And the the two kids at the beginning. That's my daughter, which is his twin, and her cousin. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I got my own involved in it as well, which was lovely for me, you know, to, to work with my kids, something they thought I'd never do. It, it all comes together into a, a lovely piece of music, uh, Miles. Where can people get it? Is it on the usual platforms, I suppose it is? Well, I record it in Claycastle Studio in the Isle, um, produced myself from Warren Tivy below there, and the lads just suggested Bandcamp this time. So I, I'm easy, I'm just easy, so I just went with the floor. I said, that's grand, put it up on Bandcamp. So that's where it is on Bandcamp, basically. We just go on, you type in the song, and you just get it there for two quid. Okay. But um, it's getting good. It's been shared, like, all over all over the world, really. Which um, is great. I didn't, think, well, I didn't think when I wrote it, right, honest, I, and uh, I felt I, read better, I wrote better songs before, but I did not think that I was going to get this reaction. Mm. And the the personal messages I'm getting to, I've I've got a few messages in the last mm, few days from people who are have been in that situation mm-hmm. and who still are. Yeah, as you say, it's it's a situation no child should find, no nobody should find themselves in. But but there they are, hundreds of them. Yeah, and you see the problem here, then PJ, with this is like it's the it's the mental knock on effect on a child. Yes, going forward, uh, it was like for all the world been in prison. When we were in that hotel that day, for a few hours, they kind of drove a home with us all. We were kind of saying, "Whoa, this is it!" Because we were there for hours and hours, stuck in the one room, you know. Mm-hmm. And it was tough. It was a tough slog. I actually had a pain in my head coming out of the place because I said I couldn't wait to get out of it. You'd worry, wouldn't you, Miles, about the children who are stuck in that situation and 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 their families? Well, the song is is a fine piece of work, my friend. You might say you've written better, but you've written a fine song here. And well done to you. And it, it certainly hits a, a, a really strong note on the problem of homelessness and emergency accommodation. Well done, sir. PJ, listen, thanks a million, right? Thanks for having me on. Thanks for having me on, John Deere. I wish you all a happy Christmas and 96 FM and a prosperous New Year. Emer and all the team. And uh, thank you very much. Good evening, Margaret. And the same to you, fella. Take care. And we'll talk to you in 2024. Cheers, Miles. Thank you, PJ. God bless you, bye. The minds are live. Hello.
Join the conversation. Call 0818 969696. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 996. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Mind with PJ Coogan. Call 96FM. Millet, far be it from me to preach to anybody uh, how to behave themselves on the roads, but I'm looking at the numbers of people who have been lifted for drink driving and driving under the influence of drugs over the last couple of weeks and it's kind of scary and of all the things I've never done, I've never been caught for drink driving which is which is great um, I would hope that um, over the weekend we won't have any bad news coming in we've had 177 people killed on Irish roads so far this year, those are the official figures up to yesterday and uh, in the first two weeks of December there were five people died on Irish roads which is down on 2022 which is great now the guards have kicked in with their Christmas and New Year road safety enforcement campaign and since they did they have lifted 300 drivers around the country for driving under the influence of drink or drugs don't for goodness sake don't the thing is in the morning after you could be caught as well. And if you're lucky enough to have a good bus service across the road from you, like I do, for example, um, and I thank myself for it this time of the year, if you've a pint at all, you'd be getting the bus uh, the following morning. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, they're, they're out there on, until the 4th of January and they're putting a lot of effort into this. They've, they've, uh, they've handed out penalty points like they were confetti. Uh, five and a half thousand people have been hit for speeding so far this December and 360 for using their mobile phone. Now, I don't have any sympathy in 2020. I'm sorry now, they're going to sound like an awful preacher here, but in 2023, I I don't have a lot of sympathy at all for anybody who's caught using a mobile phone while they're driving because pretty much every car on the road now, your mobile phone gets sucked into the radio system. And if you need to take a call, you take it that way. Although Dr. Jason Vandeveld, who I spoke to during the summer, remember that? He would recommend you just don't touch the damn thing at all once you sit into the car. But then again, some you might use it for your music, you might use it for your radio, that kind of thing. But actual texting, like texting. That was one of the most frightening pieces of tape that we had during the year. I must try and find it again. It's there somewhere in the files of Dr. Jason Vandeveld telling me about arriving in the in the dead of night to a car that's crashed and a young person in a bad way in the car a very bad way and finding the phone still in their hand and sometimes the person that they were on a video call to is screaming at them are you all right are you all right <sighs> there's no words for that but please stay off the booze if you're driving and if you are driving, get a bus home. And if you are or if you are drinking, get a bus home. And if you were drinking last night, or you're going drinking tonight, try to get a bus in the morning. That's that's the best advice we can give you. All right, 0818969696. The new energy credits dropped there. The first one was to drop early this month. Um, there's another one in January and another one in February. Did you get yours? John... I'll talk to John later. John didn't. And John has discovered that the rules appear to have changed. I talked to John in a while, but he didn't get his first energy credit. 
And when he went checking it up, um, he'll tell us the story himself anyway in a minute. But first, uh, Stephen Fox has been out and about for us on the opinion line. He went to visit Feed Cork. Now, we've talked to them many times over the years. They do great work, and particularly coming up to Christmas, they are crazy, crazy busy. And he went to, to meet volunteers about the work that they do, and particularly the work that they do for Cork families at Christmas time. My name is Nick Cassidy. I'm the pastor here at Cork Church, which is a city centre church here in Cork City with a very multi-ethnic background congregation. We are very active here in the city of Cork for many, many years, dealing with everything from homelessness, family mediations. In the last six years, started Feed Cork, which is Cork's largest charity now dealing with food poverty nationally, from what we are told. And we're open to correction on that one. We're doing between six and eight tonnes of food every week. We target to bring help to families that we know that is actual help it actually goes into the stomach actually alleviates a bill it's not like other interventions that might put extra money into levels of delinquency that get spent on vice issues in the home addictions gambling we give substantially nearly 100 euros of food a week per family there's nobody in the street corner sending boxes of conflicts so this really goes directly into the lives of families this has been something that we were we started a number of years ago i wanted our church to start this I ended up asking one of my pastors on staff at the time pastor ham would he look into that because he ran food banks in the united the States many years ago so we uh, we started with five baskets of food a week which was a huge endeavour we have no funding we don't get any funding from anywhere so we're like totally on the giving of not just our own congregation but a lot of the business community fantastic to us here some of the larger corporates from Tesco's Marks and Spencer's have been fantastic to us Open Techs some of the larger companies even some of the banks are very very good to us in helping us so we rely on basic true charities the way we run really there's very light as regards overheads in the sense that we you know 95% of our people are volunteer some are stipend and maybe two salaries you know and small salary at that so we're a light outfit putting nearly eight to ten tons of food a week into the hands of Cork's neediest families and individuals it's all volunteer based and we're proud of our volunteers We've got an excellent group of men and women as this is a faith-based organization it's a ministry of Cork Church but we work with everybody we have every sort of person every sort of orientation every sort of background if someone wants to come in and work with us to put food on the table of hungry people regardless of your own personal view of religion or non-religion atheist or believer we don't care if you want to come in and work with us for the end of helping another person to put food in their pantry you are welcome to help us that's the approach we use with people because most of the people that volunteer for us are not part of Cork Church you know what I mean they're just good old Corkonians who say hey we see what you're trying to do here it's an honest attempt and it's now become one of the largest attempts we've grown into the area of working with the desh schools so we are now providing 52 weeks of the year not just the school weeks 52 weeks of the year we provide the weekend cover for food those children don't get when they're at home the weekends when you're not accustomed to social deprivation it's easy to become indifferent and it's easy to write it off with a one line for us we know that lots of these children they were traditionally coming in on a Monday hungry because they had very little food that weekend and getting fed in school breakfast and they're getting their food there then to come home on Friday there's nothing for Friday, Saturday and Sunday and the schools couldn't provide that they didn't have the budgets for it they don't have the mechanisms so we are now providing food support to three desk schools for the children on weekends that don't get paid as well so I think there's something like 500 meals every weekend that we prepare that are easy to spin into a mic with wholesome meals two veg and meat very wholesome particular meals and even desserts as well we give those children we try to treat them like our own children so they're beautiful meals that we, and we deliver them to the homes every weekend so I mean that's what Feed Cork is doing last Christmas we did nearly 700 Christmas day dinners with desserts and delivered to the homes again so when you think of those numbers you're going to find it very hard to find anyone feeding 700 people on Christmas day 700 meals into their home my name is Liam Fitzgerald I'm volunteering here with Feed Cork for 
over five years. I was just in a position where I had time to give back for all the help that I got with my sick wife and my autistic son. Somebody was just saying that Feed Cork had opened up and they were looking for volunteers. They were actually looking for somebody that could just move stuff around and organise it and that's how I started. And so I came in just to give them a hand with the safe food handling and stuff. My experience would be in the retail side and stores and I'm still here. It's addictive when you see what you can do for people. It gives you so much when you go home. You know, you feel so much better for helping those that are less fortunate. We've been on an upward slope since uh, before the, the pandemic. It's just gone way, way above our expectations. We hope to be here for as long as we're needed. You know, as long as I'm needed, I'll be here to help. You know? I'm Ham Sermons, director of Feed Corps. I was a pastor of a small church in Greenville, South Carolina. Greenville, South Carolina has a population roughly of around a million, I think, in the county. There, I started around 2008. We had the big downturn, just like happened here with the bust. But in the States, it was very severe, especially in that area. There was already a lot of rural poverty there. Unemployment skyrocketed. Food poverty stats at that time went up to like 25% of the population were living in food poverty. That means they were living on maybe one meal a day. Parents were skipping meals so their kids could have food. So we did kind of the same thing there. We opened a food bank and it just exploded. We were servicing 200 families a week. Out of that, there was a spinoff of about four or five other food banks that we helped up and get running. So I, that was kind of what I brought to the table when we started Feed Cork. It's just my experience in running that and sourcing food, volunteers, community relationships. That was where I kind of came into the picture. And when we started to discuss that here at Court Church, I was on the pastoral team. I was doing other things. And I spoke with Pastor Nick about it when we were talking about it and kind of volunteered myself to step forward and we would do it together. We've had a huge community response. There's volunteers from our church congregation here. They're kind of like the core team members. Not everybody on the core team is from that, but there's a huge amount of people from the community that have gotten involved. You couldn't get rid of them if you tried. Like they've been here five, six years, showing up every week. We do 52 weeks a year. We don't shut down. We're here. And it looks like next year we'll be expanding our services to offer more things to people coming in, a better selections of food. It's going to be more of a supermarket feel. We've, we've switched from just handing out baskets to make it into more of a social supermarket and we're moving in that direction. It will be a lot less stigmatizing for families coming in. They can come through. It's like a shop feel and they feel like they're shopping. And already kids, when they come in with their parents, they don't even know they're in a food bank. They come into a cafe. They're coming to the shop. You hear the kids. One of the parents said in remarks to us that her child said, Mommy, when are we going to the shop again? Talking about feed court. That's a plus. At least it's not just a, here's your bag, discreetly head out the door. You can hold your head up and come in here like anybody else. Not only are caseworkers working in the food bank, but they're also helping these parents. And we've seen it's having an immediate and direct impact on the children's lives. The school attendance has gone up. They're happier in school. There's food security on the weekend for them. And the parents are receiving support. So the workers are going above and beyond to help the parents cope with their challenges that they're facing. So I enjoy that because I was that kid. And every time I go up and do a delivery, every time I talk to a parent, every time a kid comes and gives me a hug, I'm moved. My heart is moved because I didn't have that. We didn't have that. There was nobody showing up at our doorstep. You know, there was nobody there to support my mother. There was nobody there for that. I'm not seeing the sob story. I'm just saying my own experience. The fact that we're able to do that and to be a support, it's tremendous. I feel tremendously blessed and privileged to be able to do something that I love helping these people. 
Thanks to Stephen for that uh, meeting the volunteers uh, down at Feed Cork and they have a busy week ahead of them uh, in the run-up to Christmas. 0818969696. Quick one I mentioned or asked to mention Voices from a Chapel. That is tonight at the Holland Chapel at UCC. It's to help the homeless veterans of the ONE who serve their country with honour. They are trying to furnish their new home, Brewy Quillon at Ballyhooley Road. Uh, Jack O'Rourke will be there with the High Hopes Choir, Claire Reardon, Malcolm Orkert at the Cellos, Irene O'Connell will be there, and Dara McGann back to the big stage. Great to see Dara back. And surprise guests during the evening. And that's on tonight at the Holland Chapel. And of course it was Katrina Toomey who asked me to mention that show. We wouldn't refuse that to Katrina. 0818969696. Responding to Friendly Call. Jackie was on with me in the last hour. You will hear that on podcast later. Friendly Call are an incredible service. Who They build up relationships with the elderly. My auntie, Mary Leahy, was housebound. She really benefited from them for about five years. And we as a family were really chuffed and so grateful when Brenda Barry of Friendly Call attended her removal and sent a mass card. That goes beyond duty of care. And it's from a really grateful family. That's lovely, isn't it? That's so nice. We've given away thousands of euro on the Corks 96 FM 10K toy giveaway. Thank you so much. Oh, I'm so happy. Thank you so much. Oh, my kids are going to be delighted. My son was looking up Smith today and he has a spent date there already. <laughs> you know Christmas. I love Christmas. Merry Christmas. We've just given away 10K. With your local credit union, helping you have a wonderful Christmas. Stay listening for the next big way to win. Only on Cork's 96FM. Now, regular listeners to the programme over the last number of years will have heard me mention my young friend... Uh, Lauren, um, from time to time, Lauren Walsh. A a few years ago, we were chatting here about young people and how young people were they were giving up on the world a little bit and they they thought there was nothing there for them in the world and they were depressed and down and anxious and all those things. And Lauren gave me a call and it was supposed to be a five-minute call just with her, Tuppence Hapney, on the whole thing. And then Lauren started telling me about her life with Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome and, and her Facebook page, Stripes for Life, My EDS Journey. And what should have been a five-minute call ended up being an hour. And only for news and ad breaks, we could have done two hours. We just chatted all morning long. And then I got friendly with herself and with her family and I did some fundraisers for Lauren. Unfortunately, Lauren has been very poorly throughout 2023 and is in hospital and has been in CUH for a couple of months now. And Jerry Roach, security officer up there, Jerry, you have befriended Lauren over the years and she's going to be stuck in there for Christmas, isn't she? Again, good morning. Yes, TJ, th- thanks for taking the call. Uh, unfortunately, yes, Lauren, that we told she's, that she's going to be kept in hospital over Christmas again. She came in at the end of August um, uh, unfortunately, I, I've, I've became friends with her through her visit to the hospital over the last 15 years. But like as you were saying, 
she has her strikes for life ED journey Facebook page and I learned a lot about her condition so uh, it gets lonely for her there because I it was only last night I called to her again to see if she was alright she needed anything and it was just a small little thing her her um, charger for her tablet so I said I'd try and get her, get her one but she's in a room by herself so it does get lonely there you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and she's there in by herself because she's so prone to infection she's so prone to, to anything that's going around and I know she wanted more than anything to get home to Kelly and Pat her mum and dad and to Archie yeah. her lovely little dog for, for Christmas but that's not going to happen now no unfortunately not um, she was just telling me the consultant came into her there last week and told her that she'll have to stay on, uh, over Christmas so I, I, I you know you'd be trying to cheer up all the time and, and I said to her I said look if, if it's any consolation, I work on Christmas Day and I call up and we'll, we will have Christmas dinner together. <laughs> so it makes her laugh as well sometimes, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but, uh, but, but, I, but I was on to her mother, Callie, and Callie was just saying that because she loves getting cards being posted to her, and, and uh, she keeps them all. So Callie put her up on her own Strikes for Life uh, Facebook page uh, saying that if anybody wanted to, they could send her a Christmas card to cheer her up mm-hmm. because she she has a lot of uh, hard days ahead, you know? Mm. And she loves Christmas and she loves being at home. Oh, she does and she misses Archie. And like that sometimes, well, when, when she is well enough, uh, Kelly and Pat would bring the dog up to the front of the hospital and she, she, she'd make her way down. Yeah. And it makes, it makes her day and she makes her happy and... You know, but at, unfortunately at the moment she can't uh, have a physio at the moment because she she she's just after getting another infection. She told me no again last night. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So if we could, what we're trying to do is get some cards sent. Yes, just if 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 anybody could, it'd be great. You know. Okay. Um, as 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 Callie was saying, she uh, if if they just put her name on the card. Send it to uh, Ward 1B where she is, Cork University Hospital in Wilton. It'd be great. She practically has her own room there for the last few oh, years. She, oh, she has, unfortunately. Like, every time she comes in, it's, just, it's nearly always months she's staying with us. And, I, and like you, you, sometimes you, you wish you could just hug her, and hug her and just take a lot of the pain away, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because she, she was only telling me recently there that in the last few years, she, she's after getting over 290 blood transfusions as well and she's so thankful to the donors right. you know yeah yeah because yeah. because because she was in the when, when she came in august she just came in very sick and then over i think it was two or three days she was shifted straight to icu and she was right. there nearly a week that's right you know that's right they were very worried back then she gave us an oh, awful fright were. she gave us an they awful were. fright back then she did yeah you know and and it's 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 like little things as well. She was only telling me that uh, a few weeks ago that when she was brought my C up to one B, you know most women they they they, they love their hair. Care is very important. Mm-hmm. But 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 in the hostel they have this shower cap that is made by Striker, and you just put it on her. She she said she just put it on her head. There's no water needed or nothing, and you just uh, massage it to your head, and she loves those. So I was able to get a few of those. But I, I, I'm just wondering if I could just put over a call there to strike, or if they could send her a present of a box, and it would be great. It'd be fantastic, because it's simple, it? it's simple things like that. She she can't get to the shower all the time. 
Yeah. Because, she, because as, as she said to you before, she's hooked up the monitors and she's hooked up to her uh, feeding line. Yeah. And it, it takes nearly six hours to have a shower sometimes. It can, it can, it can. And she sets up all you her know? meds in the morning and looks after herself. All right, Rich, Jerry, you're, you're a very kind man. You'll be there over Christmas and, and Stevens's day, is it? Yes, yes, indeed. You know, if, uh, some, some, someone has to bind the hospital, but again, it is a team effort up there between all the departments, between the housekeeping, the kitchen staff, the nurses, the doctors, mm-hmm. you know, and the HCAs. But like that, they're all very good to learn as well. And Lauren is not just the only person who's there long term. But, you know, it's just that I, 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 I have that connection with Lauren and I, I call to her nearly every day, mm-hmm. you know. And it, but, but there is a lot of sick people I know in the hospital. But... It's just Lauren I'm concentrating on this time, right. and it would, it would it would really cheer up if she if she got it. even even twelve cards would, right. well, would see, be a lot. Let's see if we can let's see if we can do that. Do, do, do they have a Christmas dinner by the way? Christmas Day? Do you want me to ask that? Yes, yes, yes. There is indeed. You know. Fantastic. So uh, so so I'll, I'll 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 call them to her anyway, and if we 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 will have a bit of Christmas dinner or Christmas tea, right. but. Um, Oh, but, but but just get back on the cards. My 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 own two uh, daughters going going to school this morning. They're twin girls, and they said, "Dad, we'd, we'll 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 ask our class to to make cards, and we'll give them to you." And mm. I, I thought it was lovely. Thought That'd be lovely. A, make, a makeshift card, you know, and they'll bring them home to me, and I'll bring them in. They, they won't even have to force them, you know. Yeah, wouldn't so, that be marvellous? So, so I'm only hoping your your listeners would. Uh, Let's throw it out there and see, Jerry. Let's throw it out there and see. I texted Lauren well ago to say we were going to be talking about her, and of course she'd be mortified when we are. But she loves it after. She loves it afterwards. Well, well, she will give out to me now tonight when I call for her. <laughs> oh, well, she texts me I'll, later on as well, giving out to me. <laughs> <don't worry. laughs> yeah. All right, listen, we'll, we'll, well, we'll, we'll see what we can do. So Lauren Walsh, uh, if you follow her on Facebook, you know who I'm talking about. Stripes for Life, my EDS journey. She's from Passage, but she's spent the last 13 weeks in CUH, and she won't get home to her family, and she won't get home to her dog Archie this Christmas, unfortunately. So can we get a card for her, please? Uh, Lauren Walsh, Ward 1B, CUH, Wilton, Cork. Simple as. Lauren Walsh, Ward 1B, CUH, Wilton, Cork. And that will get a card to her. For Christmas, just to say that we're all thinking of her. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. 
They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I see there in the examiner in the last few days, Own English had an interesting piece about parking fines. A hundred, nearly a hundred parking fines, 99 in fact, have been issued in or around McCorton Street since it was uh, revamped and reopened two weeks ago. Um, reopened, of course, with traffic going in both directions and most of it buses. There have been 21 tickets issued for parking in a loading bay. There have been eight for parking in a no-parking zone. There have been three for parking in a bus stop. Uh, but 99 in total, 18 for having no parking disc. I didn't even know there was parking discs on McCourton Street. I never parked there anyway. Oliver Morn, uh, from the Green Party Councillor, Oliver Morn. Oliver, it was at your request that those figures were issued uh, by uh, the council. Um, people just won't be told you can't park on McCourton Street anymore. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning, Peter. Thanks for having me on. Look, I honestly, the situation in McCurtain Street, and it's not only parking, but the situation is just lawless. Um, like parking is, is is one thing that that's very plainly obvious, particularly the parking in, in, on footpaths and in the bus lanes, uh, and the difficulties that that causes for people. But in in the wider kind of picture, when it comes to uh, the the scheme that that's only just opened up, it's only opened I think three weeks at, at the most. Um, like we're, we're, there's new bus lanes in there. Uh, there is a change to the flow of traffic. Uh, if you go onto Devonshire Street or, or Coburg Street, you see queues of, of traffic in, in, in the bus lane. Uh, as you probably know, close by you there on, on York Street, I, I can't recall recently uh, cycling up uh, York Street without having a, a car coming down the wrong way in a one-way street towards me. Mm-hmm. Um, it, the, the scheme extends over towards uh, um, Summer Hill, um, and look, there was guards out uh, on York Hill where there's a, a no right turn uh, in order to improve traffic yesterday. They get nothing but dogs abuse for, for doing the work that they're doing. Um, and the minute they go away, uh, motors return to, to using the, to, the no right turn there and, and holding up traffic. It's, it's, it's out of all hand. Um, and, and honestly, I think it's beyond the means uh, that we have to deal with the situation at, at the minute. I've been answered it to the guards about it. They... They do do what they can. Uh, it, they don't see this as, as you know, their their main focus in in some ways. Traffic really shouldn't be their main focus. I in, in some ways, I mean, I I think we do need to expand the role of traffic wardens, mm. invest more in them, um, and and start policing junctions, you know, using automatic systems. Because if if we are rolling out these sort of things across the city to do with bus connects to do with improving the, the transport network in our city. And motorists simply won't obey the most basic of laws of not driving bus lanes, not parking on, on footpaths, yeah. you know, obeying one-way streets. It's a crazy situation. Was there that level of, you You used the word lawlessness, was there that level of it on McCorton Street always, or have we just discovered it now since things uh, changed? I, I think maybe we've discovered it since it's changed. It, it's been visible to me always. Look, there was always a bus lane on the left-hand side as, as you go uh, as you go eastward on, on Curtin Street. That's that's been removed. One of the reasons it's been removed, and it's no harm being, it being removed, was because it was never functioning. And the reason it was never functioning is because it was just always full of parked cars. Um, and and the impact that that had on on the the, the bus uh, reliability for for people relying on public transport. Um, 
and and I think it, it it has always been the case that people have flaunted the law. Look, we see Patrick Street, but the Patrick Street uh, um, public transport uh, priority measures. They're a joke. The they're simply, ban. They're, yeah, there's simply like, like in order to get on the Patrick Street from 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 uh, uh, Washington Street, you have to drive through a, a traffic light that says Bosnus. You have to drive over a road that says Bosnus, and you have to pass a flashing sign that says Bosnus. But still, people do it in their hundreds every day. So it 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 it, it isn't it isn't new. Um, but maybe the fact that we're, we're putting in these schemes now that prioritise public transport, that, that prioritise um, a walkable city more, uh, that, that prioritise other modes of transport, and now we're seeing, uh, when, when we change the system, how people simply disregard the law. Mm. How do we fix it? Okay, I, I have an agenda of three items, uh, which are in, in different ways um, being, being progressed. But I, 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 I think we, we need them to be accelerated. One which is happening happily uh, is with traffic wardens working outside of hours. So we, we in the, the city budget for, for this year coming, uh, we have a budget to extend the hours that traffic wardens will patrol. So we had a view in the past uh, that traffic wardens really, what they pleased uh, was whether you had a, whether you paid for parking. Uh, and so with that come half past six night when paid parking, paid on street parking would end. Mm. Um, you know, they just didn't please anymore. So they weren't going to be policing if someone parked in the bus stop, weren't going to be policing if someone's parked in the footpath. And those things aren't nine to five. You know, if, if people want to be able to get to a, a place like McCurtain Street and enjoy it, it's particularly in nighttime. Venue. So you're so suggesting line, evening shifts for the... Ev- evening shifts, and that's coming in. So that so from next year, there's going to be uh, a pilot to begin with, 10 weeks uh, of evenings and, and Sundays, see how that goes. And the view is that, look, I would expect it to go very well and it will be extended then permanently mm-hmm. next year, I hope. The other thing which we need to do, at, and this requires national level change, and uh, my, my colleague, Nasa Horrigan, uh, recently asked the, the Minister for Justice about it, but extending the powers of traffic wardens. So... Currently, a traffic warden can only deal with a parked car. If it's live traffic, like you have on the Panaban, uh, or like you have in Coburg Street with, with, with cars driving mm. in bus lanes, or, or, or dr- even driving in cycle lanes, which I've seen, um, they can't deal with that. Okay, oh, So a traffic warden would get the powers to issue a, a ticket to a, to a moving vehicle? How's that going to work? Well, I, I think it, works in, it would work in the same way as... as the Garda presently do. So it, what it would do from a, a policing perspective, it would free up a lot of the Garda resources. So we shouldn't need to have two Garda posted at the bottom of York Hill on Summer Hill in order to police cars that are that are breaking a no right turn uh, okay. signal. Like that, that should be something that the city council can do. Mm-hmm. Now, it what does, about cameras at junctions? Then, would that and now, and that would be my last thing. I think we need to do that now. As part of Bus Connects, the National Transport Authority are quite eager that there would be some measure of of um, of automatic um, automatic cameras because what we've seen from from Patrick Street, and Patrick Street is a test of of what uh, you know when when the, when Bus Connects proposes bus gates and so on in order to prioritise public transport. We see from Patrick Street, it's just not going to work unless it's policed. When the guards are there, the guards can't be there all the time. When the guards are there, they tell motorists, they can redirect traffic, but they can't be there all the time. And the minister, they're going away. It goes back to being, okay. it goes back to being flouted. So we need that permanent, okay. automatic camera. Now, now, lastly, let's come back to one thing that will be said 
Oliver. And I know we're yep. all trying to push for more public transport and we're, we're being encouraged to take the bus more. And I'm lucky enough to live on two excellent bus routes, which is great, but not everybody does. The criticism says that, well, you're gone terribly anti-motorist. We don't all have the luxury of buses to town. Answer that one for me. Look, the reality is that we're really anti-public transport. You ask anybody. My wife relies on public transport every day to get to work. She doesn't drive. She lives in the city. Um, and she she commutes to the, the airport business park every day. It is a struggle. It just simply is not reliable. You don't know if the bus is going to come Correct, up. Correct, which is why we drive. And the, re- the reason for that is because the buses are clogged in private cars. Absolutely clogged. And... and we cannot have a situation. We have an ambition over the next 15 years to grow 60% of the city. We cannot have 60% more cars. So it's not anti-car. What it is, it's about readjusting towards being pro something else, or at least being neutral towards something else. Which, which is, is fine, which, Oliver, if you have a good bus route outside your front door. But if you don't, how are you supposed and, to get to town? And we will do, right? In, in the rollout of the New City Bus Network is... is going to begin in about 12 months' time, uh, and that will be a 50% increase in routes across the city. Um, but the big thing, really, is the reliability of, of, of public Correct. transport. And, and it, the people and I get able, call after call after call that you can't people, rely on the buses. Yeah, and people being able to sh- be sure that they can get on the bus and it'll take them to work and back again on time to pick up the kids. And while we have a situation where the public transport priority measures that we have, like the bus lanes, like the correct signalling in order to make sure the traffic flows correctly, well, that's being flouted. That is what really holds up the buses, and that's what makes everything unreliable. Okay, It's a discussion I've no doubt we'll come back to again and again. Thank you, Oliver Moran, a Green Party councillor. Thank you. 0818 96 96 96. Your thoughts on that are very welcome. It's that time of a Friday. Time for hours to protect. <laughs> to protect. Brought to you by Cork's 96FM, the IBI and funded by Commission Naman with the television licence fee. Check out ourstoprotect.ie for more info. This week on Ours to Protect, we hear from toy suppliers around Cork about their efforts to make Christmas purchases more sustainable. The sheer volume of toys on offer at Christmas can be daunting for families, but one Cork company has come up with an innovative solution. Tiny Tots Toy Rental provide toy boxes, which founder Janelle Sanders says are sustainably sourced and reused every month. Sign up on our website, we get your details, from there then we pick out which toys are appropriate according to our age. We pack them up in a box sent by courier. When they arrive, you play with them for a month, you love them and have as much fun as you want, and then at the end of the month, the courier arrives with a new box and you hand them back the old box. They're sent back to us, they're all cleaned and sanitized before being sent out again. So we source them all from also sustainable companies that's big to us and something that are going to last. A child group that can be thrown around, it's not going to be broken straight out of the box. So we also chose sustainable companies that we like to use. So Plant Toys is one of our favourite. They can all sustainable wood. We've used green toys to make all their toys from recycled milk cartons. We use fat brain toys, we use hape. We just have a nice different mix of toys, but also from all the same to come. We've got lots of 
shaped gutters, puzzles, tent toys, got lovely fire trucks, we've got recycling trucks, we've got lots of musical toys. Children love making music, anything that would bang and make a nice fun noise. Most of them are wood and recycled plastic. We've got about 160 something different toys wow. and out of all of them only one toy requires batteries. All the rest you've got to work to make them fun and enjoy them. It's a common complaint that children can quickly move on from the toys bought for them at Christmas, which sit untouched together in dust. The Ballincollig Toy Library aims to take these donations so they can be redistributed to a loving home. Katie Gould of the Carrick Centre says that the service provides a sense of community and promotes sharing and reusability. We hope the Toy Library will be something that serves our community by giving our kids that joy of a new toy but without the expense of buying it. We saw how the kids often enjoy playing with it for a little while but then it gets left in the corner and you end up with too many toys, not enough space and they're not actually playing with them all because there's perhaps too many. So we thought wouldn't it be great if you could borrow something, play with it for a while, enjoy it and then bring it back and get something fresh. got quite a lot of the younger kid age which is a great age to swap and borrow toys at because children develop so fast and it's nice to get something new and see how they're developing. It's nice we've got a good variety of that. We have less of the older kid end at the moment. We say that we have toys from 0 to 12, but the kind of 9 to 12 end we would have fewer of. So if people had toys that would appeal to children that age, that would be lovely. We were thinking that it might be something that was useful for people either in small vases who don't have a lot of storage space or people on low incomes, but also for all of us because from a sustainability point of view, the more we reuse rather than buy new, obviously the better. That's the big driver as well is let's try to think about reusing and borrowing and sharing because then we don't need to buy and make so much new stuff. Excess consumerism is a common criticism of modern Christmas. Wyan Stansfeld from Pinocchio's Toys and Gifts says that people need to be more selective with their toy buying habits during the Christmas season. His offerings of wood and sustainable plastic toys offer a long-lasting alternative to modern fast fashion toys. Only 90% wood. We're not 100% wood because mm, obviously yeah. there are things that are not wood. And we do have some sustainable plastic stuff as well because we have green toys which are made in the States, which is a surprise to me that anything green is made in the States, but to be fair to them. But, but they're made from recycled milk bottles and they're brilliant. Mm. I mean, really, really hard-wearing and then we also, this year, have some plastic ones. They're not plastic because they're made from recycled wheatgrass. They feel like plastic and mm. they look like plastic, but they're made from grass and they're really nice. There's such an amount of disposable toys out there. Mm. There's such an amount of toys that are just either a fad that is going to pass in six, 12 months or, or one that is just basically going to be junk. You know, there's an awful lot of the kind of the toy world sheen stuff out there that people buy. They're not looking for it to last. They just want the instant gratification and it's gone. Whereas like our stuff, most people who buy stuff from us know it is going to outlast the child who gets it. And the chances are it'll be passed on and passed on because it will. It'll last that long. And people do need to think about what they buy. We're awful and, you know, obviously I, I live in a business where consumerism is quite important. And yet I kind of go, you don't need to buy everything for a child every year. Yes, buy nice stuff, but don't overdo it. <laughs> to learn more about sustainable Christmas toys, check the show notes of this episode. Hours to Protect, brought to you by Cork's 96FM, the IBI, and funded by Commission Naman with the television license fee. Check out hourstoprotect.ie for more info. And Hours to Protect, back at the same time next Friday. The Minds are live. Hello.
Join the conversation. Call 0818 Yeah, some of your worst ever Christmas presents have been coming in for our Everyman uh, competition. Of course, two sets of family passes to the Panto on the 29th of December and two dinners for four at Thompson's Cross the Road on the 29th before you go to the Panto. For your worst ever Christmas present, Caroline, I got a companion set for the fire. That's the shovel and the brush and the and a poker. From my husband. He was working over Christmas and he was taking the piss. He said at least I'd left he'd left me a companion for the holidays. I nearly beat him with it. I'm sure you nearly did, Caroline. Uh Dorotha got an electric toothbrush for her daughter because she thought it was ver- and she thought it was very mean. And it wasn't a toy, and I thought it was a fancy gift. Someone gifted me what Lee? I've never heard of such a thing. Someone bought Lee a Nutella tracksuit on Wish.com. <laughs> a Nutella. There's such a thing as a Nutella tracksuit. Thanks, Lee. <laughs> a doll from my aunt that looked like it was possessed. I was seven. Scared the life out of me, says Maria. You probably can't mention the brand, but I always use a certain kind of aftershave. Tommy aftershave. It's my favourite. I was given a Tommy box one year. I noticed the box looked a bit frayed. Opened it in front of everyone. The bottle contained blue liquid. No, it wasn't Tommy because Tommy's colourless. They put Old Spice in an empty Tommy bottle thinking I wouldn't know better. I'd have preferred if they gave me the fibre bottle of Old Spice. They tried to fool me. They didn't realise I always used Tommy. I just, just laughed. Said nothing about it, says Jimmy. And my worst present was a boyfriend gave me the most beautiful necklace. I loved it till he let it slip. He'd had it for a while because he bought it for his ex. No. They only laugh now, 38 years later. Says Anne. What, did you, did you marry him? Good girl, Anne. PJ, the worst present I ever got for Christmas was a kitten. When I was a child, I wanted a black cat for Christmas. Random as that sounds, nothing else would do me. Christmas morning came, and lo and behold, there was a cat box with a little black kitten in it. I was thrilled. <laughs> the damn kitten was the most vicious thing I'd ever seen. When I tried to let it out, she went from my hand, drew blood. Eventually, we got her out of the cage. She was growling at us and snarling at us. I hated her straight away. Fast forward an hour later, the kitten ran out the back door, and we've never seen her since. There's a big search in the area, um, but we couldn't find her. And even if I did, I wasn't sure how anyone would catch her and whether she'd come back into the house. Uh, hence the name of... in the, <laughs> Where in the name of God did Santa get her from to begin with? Says Barry in Wilton. And there's more of them, and they'll get to them. I'll get to them. But they're with the Everyman and with Thompson's. Your worst ever Christmas present and why? 081896. 9696. Can we tell you about a Christmas fair? This is Doreen's Bakery on Muddle Farm Road. They're having a Christmas fair Saturday 16th from half 10 to 3. That's tomorrow. 
celebrating the festive spirit. Big selection of freshly made Christmas products. We'd love to see our customers on the day to join in the festive spirit. We'd also like to wish our customers and the people of Cork a happy and peaceful Christmas. Doreen's Bakery was established in 1983. Wow, 40 years. By Doreen O'Kelly from the family home in Ballincollig, expanded into its current location in Model Farm Road. If you need our Christmas fudge, fruit log, layer cake, marzipan or mince pies, they have loads of them. Loads of them. And lastly in this bunch, I have to get through this correspondence. If I don't, I forget it all. Uh, Beaumont Boys School had a carol service in Black Rock Church yesterday. Silent Night in English and Irish. The school choir only formed a few weeks ago. I thought they were incredible and you wouldn't know they'd never sang together as a group before. It was made up of kids raising from second class up to sixth class. The teachers involved, especially Mrs. Behan and Mr. Gannon, deserve all the praise for getting them to sing so beautifully. The boys should be proud of themselves. It was a fabulous morning with loads of talent on display. And that's from Leanne. Thanks, Leanne. Come here, if you're posting a letter or even a little parcel to anybody in a care home or a nursing home, it's free now until the end of the month. On Post announced this the other day, and I've been meaning to get to it. Free delivery of any cards, letters, or even a package up to a kilogram in weight to any care home in the country. From on Post, just put free post where you'd normally put a stamp. Just write free post where you'd normally put a stamp. That's lovely. Well done to Unpost for that. 0818 96 96 96. Now, the first of the electricity or energy credits came this month, and there were two more to come. As you know, we got three of them in the budget. Um, but there seems to be a problem. John, you didn't get your first credit, did you? Good morning. Good morning. I, I have an online account myself and I was checking it on and off and I wasn't getting any credit. And I did get the credit, the three credits last uh, last year, the, the three 200 credits. Yeah. So I decided I'd ring my um, supplier and they told me that because my electricity bills are at a certain level, I'm not actually using enough electricity to be eligible for the uh, for the credit. And I didn't know this at all. I thought every household was was getting this credit. That's what they told us on budget day. Yeah. Well, I was surprised to hear that. And um, I mean, I, I, when I opened my online account, uh, on the top of the page it says um, credit. Uh, all credits have been given to customers. Now it did say eligible customers, but I didn't think. That had anything to do, anything to do with me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did ring him, and uh, that's what I was told. I said I'm not using enough electricity to be eligible for it, which was very surprising. Do you use very little electric, John? How do you manage to yeah, use so little? I'm conscious of it. Um, I'm living alone in an apartment, and I, I'm out a lot of the day. To be honest about it, right. um, I don't spend a lot of time in the apartment. Um, no, I am retired as well so I, I do go out a lot and so you know there's not much electricity being used during the day sure but I, I still didn't think I, 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 did, I didn't think that this was going to happen that I, I obviously thought I was going to get the credit well 
as I said to you previously, we were all told on budget day that we were getting it. Mine arrived last week, not in time for the bill. It'll go off my next bill. Yeah. But, like, that seems strange. Because really, I don't know. I didn't read this one. If, if it, Was there something we missed? I didn't read that you had to be spending a certain amount. Did you? Well, I didn't. And I, I said it to the lady I was speaking to. You now she was very nice. And... Um I, I said to her I didn't hear anything about this on the radio or on TV or whatever. I didn't hear it on the news that you had to use a certain amount of electricity to get the credit. Now, she did say that the the regulation did change this year I from see. last year. I see. And um, she didn't... I didn't get exactly what the level of electricity you have to use or what your bill has to be to I get see. it, but... Um, I, I was just, uh, I wasn't expecting that, to be honest. Well, John, I think, I think it'll come as news and not very yeah. welcome news to a lot of listeners. Yeah. Well, I, I think, you know, we, we, we've been hearing in the past a lot of people are, you know, cutting back on electricity because uh, of the energy crisis and the prices that went, you know, the energy costs went mm. away up. And so people have been cutting back on their electricity. And if you've got people, maybe like myself, living on their own, and they're, they're cutting back in, on their electricity deliberately, mm-hmm. and that they find they're not eligible for this um, for this credit. And would your bills be of such a size, John, that maybe this credit would completely wipe them out, or maybe even leave you with a bit in credit, as it were? Oh no, I, I would I would certainly be left in credit. Right. I mean, this this one fifty would would probably get me through a couple of bills. I see, I see, but you. You've been told by your supplier, and I'm not going to ask you to name them, but you've been told yeah. by your supplier you won't be getting the credit because you don't use enough electricity. And like you said, that was news to you. And, and you, you got them last year, did you? I got them last got them year, last. but there's, there's new regulation this okay. year, apparently. Well, we'll have to look uh, into that and see what the heck is yeah. going on there because the first uh, one yeah, just yeah. dropped and there's two more to come. I, I, I did say if I use more electricity, will I be eligible? But she couldn't exactly tell me that. Okay. But that's defeating the whole purpose of it, isn't it? Isn't it? Isn't it? John, appreciate the call. You've really brought something brand new to our attention. with no idea that this was going to happen to anybody, because certainly when Minister Michael McGrath announced it on Budget Day, uh, this impression was not given that some people wouldn't get it because they didn't use enough, enough lecky. It's something we'll follow up. John, thank you. Um, you're welcome. Cheers, John. We'll have to look that up because that was not in the T's and C's, or at least we didn't hear any T's and C's when Minister McGrath announced the three energy credits. Has anybody else not gotten their first energy credit that should have got it? And they got it last year, like John did. I'll come back to it. 0818 96 96 96. Just on speed traps and speeding, I was giving the statistics for the number of people already caught speeding. This December, uh, hundreds of them caught speeding. Thousands, in fact, just the, the fixed charge notices. Here we have uh, over 5,500 people pulled up for speeding in the first couple of weeks of December. Owen says, our approach to speeding and reducing death has been the same for 30 years and it simply doesn't work. Speed traps or speed vans don't get any public buy-in because people feel caught out. So it doesn't deter us. The person's already speeding when they're caught. Average speed cameras won't work either. You can do mad speeds, pull in for a coffee, and the time you spend drinking lets you enjoy speeding as it brings down your distance time calculation. That's a bit over my head, Owen, but I know what you're getting at. I drive in Europe a lot, 
Some European countries have the safety thing figured out and it's a simple solution. What works is fixed cameras known as gatsos on poles at the side of the road. They're all published on Google Maps and people know where they are and they come up on Google Maps if you're driving, for example, using Google Maps. They're well signposted, they're bright yellow and everyone slows down because they just know that they're there. They know where they are. And people appreciate that and drive accordingly. They work. Simple, low-cost works. What do we get here? Guards on the motorway every so often. Statistically, they're on the safest roads we have, says Owen. Gatso cameras. I often heard that expression. Gatso cameras. Uh, they're just there and everybody knows where they are. 0818969696. Now, DJ Kelleher, we've talked before, sir. DJ Kelleher is the managing director of Riverview Eggs. And this time last year, he gave out thousands of eggs. And you're at it again, sir. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Thank you for having me. Delighted. You're very kind. Delighted. You have you've been supporting St. Vincent de Paul for 30 years and Penny Dinners yes. and Simon Community. Yes, yes. Um... Do you know what, PJ, you know, um, we, so we've been supporting Vincent de Paul for their annual Christmas appeal, um, but equally throughout the year, we give free eggs into um, Cork Penny Dinners, Cork Simon Community. Like so far this year, um, into Cork Penny Dinners and Simon Community, we've given 3,000 dozen of eggs in there. Wow. Each, you know, we go in every week to them. And then at Christmas time, um, and again at Easter, like so far we've put in 5,000 six packs of eggs, which is two and a half thousand dozen of eggs, 30,000 eggs 30, if you want to expand it out. <laughs> so that's, that's, do you know what? It's, it's, it's something we can do. It's something that's tangible. It's a product. It's, you know, rich in protein. It's nutritious and it makes up, um, you know, it's the basis of a lot of the meals created for the service users um, by those three amazing organizations. You're talking to someone who enjoys a boiled egg for his breakfast every day. Good man. So, so. That's what keeps me in business, PJ. <laughs> there's, there's nothing more enjoyable to start my day. But 30,000, yeah. like, how many are you producing, for goodness sake, if you can spare 30,000 of them? We we would we would be selling just over a million eggs a week. What? Um, yeah, yeah. A million and eggs that, a week. And that's after increasing um, over the past. Do you know what? Especially during this, you know, the, the downturn in the economy or the cost of living crisis, people are, I suppose, looking for a cheap source of protein yeah. um, because the egg is still cheap technically or essentially out there. You know, meat and chicken and all those products, they've all gone up in price. Mm. But eggs have been fairly stable. Yes, they've gone up. Our costs have skyrocketed, since, especially since the war in Ukraine. Um, but, you know, it's, it's still a cheap source of protein. And also, you know, I'm sure you'll have heard the expression, PJ, once you've potatoes and eggs in a house, you've the makings of a meal. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. And it's very fact, true. The great Brendan Dempsey of St. Vincent de Paul always said to me, if you have a bag of potatoes, a block of cheese and a few eggs, no one will go hungry. No, that's very, very true. And you know what? These these organisations, you know, be it Vincent de Paul or Cork Penny Dinners um, or Simon Community, you know, these are there for, you know, like, there are fellow human beings. There we be, but for the grace of God. Mm. Um, you know, and they're there for people who've already reached, let's say, a bottom. They have have troubles going on in their lives. And, you know, they're welcomed into any of those organizations. They won't be judged, um, you know, because 
it's already a lonely place when you've got to reach out like that. Um, and, you know, as I once said in an interview with Simon Community, it's the hand you want when you need help. Mm. Um, and it couldn't be truer. Yeah. And all they ask you ever is, what do you need? Yeah. 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 And there's no shame. No. My dad, God rest him, he used to say there's no room for shame. Yeah. You know, well, shame, he used to shame use never a, an F word before. Shame, shame never buttered bread. <laughs> No, that's very, very true. Very, very true. Come here to me. Come back to this million eggs a week. How many hens yeah. have you? We have, what, we've 250,000 hens um, on different farms around the country, predominantly here in Cork and Munster. Um, but yeah, and we supply into like Don Stores, Super Value Centra, um, lot, lots of the, we supply yeah. the likes of, you know, food services companies. Um, yeah, we supply to, and Tesco's. We supply them. So, and yeah, like, family would, business. That's each egg. That's, that's each hen having to turn out four eggs a week. <laughs> well, no, they're doing one egg a day. One egg a day. <laughs> so the seven. Yeah. No, they do an egg a day. Yeah, <laughs> they'll tell you how much I know egg. now. Like, <laughs> and we're doing it now with um, just shy. Of, well, fifty-eight years actually. This year, um, my mom and dad started it. You know, farmers in nineteen sixty-five, land rich, pocket poor. And my mum went and got a loan off her aunt and she bought 700 hens and put them into a barn on the home farm. And that's where it all started. What, so what, keeps, a, what keeps a hen happy and hatching? <laughs> plenty of food, plenty of warmth. And you know what? Just the freedom to be able to get on and do what they, what they, what they do best, which is lay an egg. Yeah. You know, it's a very simple process. If, if a hen isn't happy, she won't lay an egg. So, yeah. you know, is, we'd like to think it that the most, happy when, when you think about it, DJ, we, we, we talk about natural food and every week there's a new fashionable yeah. natural. Yeah. The most natural food, I would have said, known to man is an egg. Yeah. It is. It comes perfectly wrapped. There's no interfering with it because to interfere with it means you have to break it, yeah. you know, and therefore you don't have a product you can sell. It is the most natural product that the Lord above, when he created the hen, he said, go out there and make a natural product for people. And that's what he's done. Yes. You know, and that's what the hen does, thankfully, every day for us. Um, and we're very grateful for all of our staff here, everybody that's involved from our quality control to, you know, the full team here at Riverview who churn out the eggs, you know, seven days a week. And we're very, very grateful, yeah. most grateful. And, and, and business is tough at the moment. I mean, how have you come through the last couple of years? You know, I suppose, PJ, you know, we've been quite fortunate in that, you know, uh, you know, with the past two and a half years, like especially since the war and with the cost of living crisis, that the volume of eggs consumption has gone up. Um, we'd be up kind of maybe 12, 13 percent, you know, mm. versus two and a half years ago, mm. um, which is fantastic. Um, but attached to that then is because like a hen isn't like a tap. You can't turn it on, turn it off. Um, you know, you need to be prepared for it. And whilst we're delighted that consumption has gone up, you know, there has been all the associated costs in the background of making sure that our producers are getting paid enough, that yeah. all our farmers are happy, that yeah. we're laying enough eggs did, to did supply. Did the feed get more expensive? Beyond belief. Beyond really? belief. The price of feed went up. It nearly doubled in, would you believe, in October of 21, we were paying €230 Euro a tonne and it went up to... It's peaked at 440 euro a ton. And how much it ton would you use in a week? 
<laughs> well, a bird eats 120, 130 grams per per hen per day. Right. So it's a lot of food it's and a, a lot of and and a lot of manure coming out the other end, which is. <laughs> That's part of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're, remind, you're reminding me of my mother-in-law. You're reminding my late mother-in-law. Um, oh, God. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there, I hope she was nice. <laughs> well, there's a, th- there's, there's, there's a thing. Um, the UN might have issued Security Council warnings against my mother-in-law, but, you know, she was all right in her own way. Um, but, but if you brought home, you know, you know farm eggs, right? Yeah, you'd bring yeah. her. You'd, you'd bring. You might go down now to one of your farms and bring her home a half dozen eggs and put them up on the table. And say they are now lovely six fresh, six lovely fresh eggs. Yeah, I wouldn't touch them. She said, "Come over, an old hen." I get my eggs in super. <laughs> I said, "Where the hell do you think the eggs came from in super?" <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what we have to keep telling people that you know when people ask you know should we keep eggs in the fridge, and it's like just remember where the egg comes from. Yeah. People do, you know. do, and fridges come. Fridges come with egg boxes. There's yeah, no need yeah. for them. Let's keep refrigerated. But the reason is actually, believe it or not, the the rationale, the whole thing, it's assumed that the fridge is Oh, God, uh, hang on. Whatever you're doing, stop doing it because you're breaking up. The fridge, yeah, eggs, eggs in the fridge, yes or no? No. Let them breathe. Think of what, think of that the shell, it's porous, and all it wants to do is breathe. Mm-hmm. And how long That's will an egg last if you keep it? Well, the the law says that from the day that the hen is, lays the egg is 28 days from that. But in reality, you'd get another four or five days. But just don't put them in the fridge. If you put them into the fridge, you'll actually knock about a week off the life of the egg. Get away. Um, because it's an unnatural environment for it. There's a thing we never you know. know. There's a thing we never Unnatural know. environment. DJ, a pleasure to catch up again. Well done to you. DJ Kelleher, the MD of Riverview Eggs, donating 30,000 eggs uh, to the Christmas food appeals for Vincent de Paul and for Simon Quincy and Cork Penny Dinners. Uh, they're, go- they're going through a million eggs a week. Good Lord, what a business. Thank you, DJ, and happy Christmas to you and all connected to Riverview Eggs. You want the biggest hits? Yeah, we are really hooked on this now. Oh, this song is class. Oh, my God. When I just heard it down, I got into the car and just bought it right back. You got them right here. The Hit Mix. The Hit Mix. On Cork's 96 FM. I want new music. I want to hear that new tune. Fresh. Fresh new music. The Hit Mix with Brian McAvoy. The Hit Mix. On your smart speaker. On your phone. And on your radio. Weeknights from 8. On Cork's 96 FM. There's one of life's great dilemmas answered anyway. Eggs not in the fridge. Even though there's an egg box in the fridge, there's no need to put eggs in the fridge. And DJ would advise putting against putting them in the fridge. <laughs> Just think where they actually come from. 0818969696. Now, loneliness. We spoke yesterday morning to Brendan Kilkenny about loneliness. And then today we spoke to John, who listens to us every day in Bilbao, about he how he dealt with loneliness and continues to deal with it on an ongoing basis. We've had one or two other messages. We spoke about friendly call earlier on. We had that message yesterday from the 28-year-old mom of three. She has um, a, a kid with additional needs and it's dealing with him and has made life so lonely for her. Some of her friends have drifted. I, I happen to think that's heartbreaking. 
If you have a child with additional needs and, and friends drift because they can't deal with it, were they really friends at all? It's a whole other discussion, I guess. But Denise, you wanted to talk to me about loneliness. Uh, you've had it in your own life. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Um, yes, um, I have. Um, it, I I suppose just to give you a brief background, um, I lived in Dublin for three years before emigrating to the UK for a further eight years. Um, and then I moved back late 2019 um, to Cork after being away for over a decade, basically. Um, my friends that I had in Dublin and Cork like were married, settled with kids, etc. Um, they weren't going to be going out weekends and stuff, you know. Um, and my sister um, actually told me about a website uh, called Meetup. Mm-hmm. Um, so I looked into it. Um, I wasn't sure initially what it was, but basically um, it's uh, if I wanted to in the morning set up a group, I would pay a fee to this website to set up a group and I can do a group about anything at all. Um, so then people can join my group for free. Mm-hmm. Some groups charge anonymously, some don't. But everybody, like I joined it in early 2020, thank God, just ahead of COVID. Um, and I went regularly hiking, um, there's pub nights, there's bowling, there's dinners, there's um, nights out in clubs, uh, concerts. Um, I mean, you can choose to join as many groups as you want. Um, and you can choose what they just list, each group lists their own events of what's coming up, what they're doing, and you can choose to go or not. Um, and from that, I've just made so many good friends and like it's for people from all walks of life, all nationalities, um, people who are separated, divorced, people who've just moved to this country, people mm. moving back from the country. Um, and it, it, like even sometimes it's just people who have a specific interest that their own circle of friends aren't interested in. How, so they use this to do it. How did your own loneliness come about? How did it didn't just suddenly start to be lonely? How did it come about? Um... Well, living abroad, um, it can be quite isolating. Um, I heard your caller this morning speaking about the UK. It's hard to make friends, especially as you get older. Mm-hmm. Um, so living in the UK was a big, big change. I enjoyed it, but it's, it is a different culture. You know, I missed the Irish culture. I missed the crack. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my marriage fell apart okay. um, in the UK. And... Um, then moving back here in the midst of that my sister was getting married and she was in a completely different sphere to me um, and then COVID hit Yeah Um, The breakup of a marriage, that must be very hard because, you know, if you've been together with someone for a long time well, you have joint friends you have his friends, you have her friends and all the friends groups are kind of confused because whether or not whether or not they should, Mother Nature will force them to take a side, and that can be difficult. Well, I suppose, to be fair, because we'd both been out of Ireland so long, we, we kind of didn't really have that. Mm. Um, like, I still had my friends, he still had his friends from college, that kind of thing. Um, I mean, we were together for 20 years, you know, so it w- wasn't like, mm. you know, uh, small circles, do you know what a I mean? A lot of your um, friends were in- joint friends, though, weren't they? But they weren't um, after 20 years. <laughs> um, well, as I said, because we'd lived out of Ireland for over 10 years, you know, certainly in the UK, they would have been joint friends. 
Mm. Um, and it's one of the reasons I didn't stay. Right. Um, it's why I moved back here um, to be with family um, and to be with the friends who have known me for, for, for years, you know, because yeah. I would have kept in contact with a, a few people, like, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I said, it's very difficult when people are settled and have kids and all mm. of that, you know, that... As I said, they're not going to be going out every weekend. They're no. not going to be free to meet up, you know, regularly. And you also don't want to be, um, the, I suppose, the person who who is the lonely person. You don't want to be talking about that to people who just don't understand it, yeah. you know, um, who are just in a completely different space to you. Mm. Um, you keep an awful lot of it inside. And going through a divorce is extremely emotional. Um, especially after that length of time and the issues that arise and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then with COVID, like, mm. I wasn't able to actually get the divorce till COVID was over. Right. Um, so living through COVID um, with my ex in the house, because he moved mm. back to, um, was extremely, extremely difficult. And I, I did seek help, I'll be honest. I, I sought help because I needed it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, like as much as the meetups helped me initially, there it, it obviously takes a while to grow close friendships. So you're not going to be telling your story to, you know, everybody you meet on sure, the first time out. You know, um, so I did seek other help. I did, and it and it helped me get through it. But it was a huge, huge struggle. Yeah, it's a job of um, work to get through it, I imagine. It's a huge job of yeah. work. Yeah, it is. Um, and it does take a huge toll physically, mentally. You know, it, it just affects every part of your life, how you operate and work, etc. Um, and trying, like, what's really draining in a lot of ways is tasting on the smile, as I call it. Yeah. Um, you know, you're trying to hide so much and there were times where I would go for lunch with a meetup group or something and I'd only last an hour or so because I just didn't have the energy to keep the smile up anymore. Game face. You know, um, and I would leave. But bit by bit, you know, um, you, you put yourself out there and you realise when you're talking to other people, I think the biggest help for me was chatting to people at these meetups, especially on the hikes and stuff, that everybody has their own story. Yeah. Everybody has been through stuff. Yeah. Everybody has their own reasons for being, you know, in the space that they're in. And it's just a link. Um, I've made some very close friends because we've bonded over things like that. Mm-hmm. Does there um, come a point sometimes when you're out at one of these gatherings or meetups, or Denise, you're there, as you said, game face on. And mm-hmm. Does does there come a point where you realise, hang on, there's other people here with a game face on too? Yeah. Yeah. And then you, how, you how how much of a release is it when you finally let the game face go? It depends on who I'm with. Um, you know, like, it's like, there's still like, you know, certain times out, whatever, it's just not appropriate to let the game face go. <laughs> you know, um, depending on the event you're at. But um, when I became close friends with different people, being able to talk openly, being able to share, even to be able to laugh about certain things. 
that yeah. were dreadful at the time. But now you can look back and you it might be dark comedy. <laughs> um, yeah, the best kind but, sometimes. Yeah. Exactly, you know, but it's... Um, and it's good as well in some ways to be able to make that dark comedy with somebody who gets it who's not going to look at you shocked, you know. Um, so, yeah, it's... it's um, I, 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 like, I can't explain just, like, how many close friends I've met um, and I've moved on now to actually hosting groups and stuff oh, and hosting events. Um, and that's what people do. It's not just me, other people as well, you know, once they feel comfortable and they step up, you know, Um and it's it's just like it, it's just a lifeline, as I said, for people. Will, will, you, will you do something over Christmas now? Will there be beat ups over Christmas? Oh, stop, jeez! I was away in Kerry last weekend. Uh, we're out tomorrow night doing twelve pubs. Uh, next weekend, there's I think there's something else on on Friday. I believe me, my social life calendar. <laughs> Isn't that if fantastic? Isn't that fantastic? <laughs> Um, no, it's it is, and I organised a trip to Northern Ireland during the summer, and we're planning on going back again now next year. Um, and uh, there's a few concerts and stuff coming up that I'll post up and stuff as well. But um, it's just it's also an ability to go to events that people might not want to go to on their own, um, or might not have the opportunity to. That it's just like-minded people. Now it is like we always say, like if. You you see a lot of the same faces at different events. Like some people might sure. just do the hike, some might just do the pubs or whatever, and um, some do a bit of everything. But there's always new people, yeah. always new faces. Well, here's a little and thing: stay in, stay in touch with us because your, your your call has been very impressive. We're we're all blown away by it here. So why don't we stay in touch in 2024 and you let us know what events are on, where they're on, and particularly for people who might be looking at the first opportunity to go to something. Well, to be honest now, you're better off just signing up to the Meetup meet app. Now, I will warn that um, Meetup have uh, recently uh, been charging for like a, an upgraded app or whatever you want to call it. There's no need for it, okay? Mm-hmm. You can just join the free one, right? Um, and just pick the groups you want to join because each group lists their own events. Trust me, I couldn't tell you all the events that are on there. Well, isn't that great? <laughs> you know? isn't that great? Um, it sounds like we need to book so an appointment with you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I can tell you the groups that I've joined, <laughs> if that helps. But um, yeah. I will say that if you if somebody does join up, and it can be absolutely terrifying going to your first one yes. on your own, Yes. please be reassured. We have all been there. We've all done that first time. And we always, when we see a new face, make sure that we say that and welcome them. Okay. So, just to be aware, it's 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 scary, but it's worth it. Yeah. Pretty much everyone we've spoken to since this loneliness topic started yesterday have said to us that two things. One, there is light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. But the first step is the step you have to take and that be the t- yeah. that can be the toughest one. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I was terrified at my first, like, the very first meet-up that I had signed up to was a pub night, and I thought, geez, I know it might be a bit old-fashioned now, but part of me was like, geez, I'm a woman, I can't walk into a pub on my own to a group of strangers. That's I don't know still who out I'm there, isn't it? You know, it is out there. And then, luckily enough, the same group I'd signed up to posted a bowling night, and only a few people were going to that the night before. 
So I went to the bowling night and I was able to meet a couple of people who were then going the Saturday night. Hey, Do you know? There's always a, there's so, always a way to break the ice. There is. Always. All right. Always. Meet up meet up is the app. Denise Kennedy, thank you. Stay in touch with us. Um because this is loneliness, there's more of it out there than you think. And the first step is your own step to make, and that's the message coming across clearly from the last couple of days. But we will stay in touch with Denise. But the app is called Meet Up and she said, Stick with the free one. Do I'm paying for it? Stick with the free one. There's loads there. Thank you, Denise. I mention, if I could, Eleanor O'Kelly Lynch, old friend and formerly of this parish, has written her second book. Her first book, The Girl with Special Knees, went down a bomb uh, a few months back now. It feels like ages ago. But her second book is called The Girl with Stars in Her Eyes. It's out now and it's a lovely book. I've been leafing through it over the last few days. Got to sit down and read it and digest it over Christmas. But it's a lovely book. Beautiful story telling lovely characters. Eleanor O'Kelly Lynch. It's in all the good bookshops now. Uh, happy to plug that for you. 0818 96 96 96. Now, before we get to the winners, a couple of contenders. Lisa says, the worst Christmas present I ever got was a lovely camembert cheese. I love camembert. Unfortunately, it was wrapped. And I didn't know it was inside. So I opened it on Christmas morning and it had been sitting under the radiator for nearly two weeks. I don't even want to think about that. I got a big woolly jumper as a Christmas gift, says Selena and Drumahan. Couldn't say no because it came from a family member. There I am sitting in my big woolly jumper and everyone around me sitting in lovely fashionable clothes and I felt awful. Now I appreciate it. Many years later. I'm still not going to say who gave it to me. <laughs> a Merry Christmas to everyone. Thank you, Selena. And a couple more. Yes, this is a brilliant one. Um, someone used to send... I, would live, I lived in the US in the 90s. And my mother always sent me lovely presents from Blarney Woolen Mills. But this one year, I got a box of gifts. And it had a leaping salmon from Knock. And a garden gnome on all fours. And I was looking at it going, what on earth is this? <laughs> she sent me pictures. I still have them, she said. I still have them. Well, we've, uh, as always, we've had some great entries. Now, let me go to Knock Raha and Leona. Leona. Hi, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> I remember this story. Go on, tell me this is a beauty. You remember it? I do. I remember. I remember. The, the, but the, were the dolls recalled? They were, they were, but I was allowed to keep mine, PJ. <laughs> Go on, tell us. <laughs> so um, I used to crawl and walk and stand up and say, Mama, I was supposed to. And it actually, when I opened the Christmas morning, it's only about six, um, the doll was saying, um, F-U-C-K-I-N, Mama, and standing up and crawling around and just saying it. And my mom was horrified, obviously, as you can imagine. So so instead of saying Mama, it went F and Mama. Yeah, the lads in the factory thought it was great crack just to... Um, Make all the dolls say that Christmas morning. <laughs> I absolutely. <laughs> it was a joke that the lads in the factory did. So that was like nineteen ninety two or something. That's brilliant. <laughs> but I'll never forget it, I remember it. And I was allowed to keep the doll. How did your mother react? <laughs> she was horrified, but she had to leave me keep it. Yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. That's well. So, I, that, that kind of wasn't the worst, really. That was. That was I don't. Well, I, I loved it. To be honest, I don't either. suppose. You, I don't suppose you still have it. 
I don't, I don't. I was very attached to it, though. There was no way she was giving it back. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> so we had a great crack. You know, yeah. she was telling all the neighbours and everything then, and they had a great offer. It's a bit, it's a bit like so my son's... We were showing everyone the dot. It's a bit like my son's all-time favourite Christmas song is unbroadcastable anywhere, ever. Do you know, like... <laughs> He's a limited edition, PJ. If I had her, no, still. <laughs> Absolutely. Are you, Are you all set up? For, have, you, have you kids yourself now? I have six. six? But my eldest is 19. <laughs> yeah, I did. You yeah. poor woman. <laughs> I know. I'm getting there now. <laughs> uh, and how, is, how, how young is the youngest? Two. Ah, sure, scent is still yeah. coming, so. Oh, I love it. Uh, she'd be all excited now this year. Do you do a big thing for Christmas with all those kids in the house? Yeah, just usual now. Like yourself, watch a movie after the dinner and, you know, have a nice family day. Yeah, absolutely. Play a few board games, things like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I know. That's so. good. Well, look, what we're going to... I don't know how we're going to... You can run a draw among the six of them. We're going to send you off to the Everyman on the 29th of December to see Beauty and the Beast and before that to Thompson's for a bit of grub. That's fantastic. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you very much. Go on. Happy Christmas. Happy Christmas to you and yours. Uh, That's great. Leona in Nakraha. Now, our second winner today is Claire. And I'm just going to read this one. Hi, PJ. My worst present was years ago. I came back to our shared apartment. (laughs) <laughs> to a fish tank full of exotic fish and a couple of crabs. My boyfriend wanted to surprise me. I wasn't that happy. It started a years-long love-hate relationship, cleaning the tank, making sure the filters worked, expensive food, expensive meds when the fish were poorly, dealing with the crabs escaping. I was up in a heap, not a bit happy. He once adopted a turtle, for God's sake. He was more work than baby breastfed twins, says Claire in West Cork. You you don't say whether you ended up marrying him or not, did you? No? <laughs> that's brilliant. I love it. So that's Claire. We'll get, you, get a gang around you on the 29th of December, Claire. And head off to Thompson's. And then on to the Everyman to see Beauty and the Beast, Friday 29th. All right. I'm told that last night at the Everyman there was a lovely tribute to Frank Toomey at the end of the uh, panto. Of course, Frank was the dame in many an Everyman panto over the years. And I'm told there was a lovely tribute at the end of the show last night. And his... um, his funeral yesterday was a barrel of laughs. I was listening, reading some about it in, in, the, in the paper, and only rightly so. Now, Cork People Abroad, we started this morning with uh, John in Bilbao. We know people listen to us all over the world, either live or on podcast. And if you're not going to be back for the Christmas, we'd like to hear from you. Opinion at 96fm.ie. If you're going to be away for the holiday season, let us know what you're doing, where you're doing it, who you're doing it with, what the weather's like. Um, we get very jealous of good weather at Christmas. Uh, drop us a, a quick line to opinion at 96am.ie. We will do the rest. We'll set it up. If there's anybody you know who's away that you'd like us to call for you next week, again, Corconians abroad, we will do that too. Opinion at 96am.ie. We have a couple of ideas coming in. A couple of people mentioned to us. One in particular has had a very disappointing pre-Christmas. I'll say no more for now. All right, I'll say no more for now. But that, I think, is it. Oh, yeah, next week, by the way, if you haven't bought the meat yet for the Christmas, you haven't the turkey or the ham or spiced beef, we'll be able to solve 
all of that next week. Big time. We have fabulous opportunity to get all of your Christmas meat next week on the show. All right. I think that's it for today. It is. That's it for today and for this week. Program edited by Emer O'Hay, produced and researched by Richard Vickery. Thank you, Richard. We'll see you next time. All your podcasts will be up shortly and we shall talk to you on Monday just after nine. Be careful out there now for the weekend, will you? And whatever you do, don't drink and drive. Listen to Cork's 96 FM while you work. While you work. Click listen live at 96fm.ie. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.